Well, it feels good in the Lord's house. I'm thankful for this day. And uh, what God has done thus far in the service. Um, When I... I've got about uh, two and a half hours, roughly, a day that I'm on the road. And um, somebody's either preaching to me or singing to me. And um, um, I heard this, um, and it just, boy, it it got on me this week, and um, I couldn't turn loose of it. Uh, The text I'm going to read this morning uh, most oftentimes is only read at ordinations and uh, for a pastor and um, uh, if I've ever felt the impression of the Holy Spirit to preach this um, I want everybody in the house to know this morning that if we're saved by the grace of God uh, according to the according to the word of God Uh, then we are sons and daughters through adoption, uh, and that adoption has made us kings and priests unto God, according to Revelation chapter 1. And so often uh, we we consolidate and we funnel down what it means to preach. Uh, But if you've been saved by the grace of God, you are a preacher of the gospel. Amen. It is your obligation because you are born again and saved by the blood of our Lord and Master Jesus Christ. It is your obligation to preach to the world, to a lost and a dying world, that there is a Savior that is, uh, that is ready, willing, and able to deliver them from where they stand and from their eternity uh, and, and uh, uh, their eternal separation from God. But, uh, and I say that uh, as it encompasses all of us, but I believe, uh, furthermore, according to the Word of God, that uh, God has called men specifically into the ministry. Uh, and I want to read to you, turn in your Bibles this morning, Second Timothy chapter number 4. And I'm going to read uh, a few verses out of Second uh, Corinthians as well, but the majority of the text... Um, We'll come out of chapter number 4. I'm going to read almost the entire chapter. And let's set the stage on this now. We got 1st and 2nd Timothy. In 1st Timothy, uh, Paul wrote this to uh, his under-shepherd and his protege uh, and his first imprisonment in Rome. He wrote 1st Timothy. And when he had laid uh, Timothy in charge, and after he had ordained Timothy, uh, he set him to be the pastor over the church of Ephesus. In First Timothy, uh, it's basically, and if I encourage us all, please go home this afternoon, read the book of First and Second Timothy. But in First Timothy, uh, Paul addresses specific things in specific chapters. But in the first chapter and the second chapter, he teaches them what is proper worship. How we should worship. He tells Timothy how to be a leader within the church and how to worship. In chapter 3, he talks about the 
qualifications of, of bishops and elders, which is pastors and deacons. He tells of the qualifications that those men should meet. Uh, and In chapter number 4, he tells them, uh, instructs them what, uh, in specificity, what sound doctrine is. And that we should always abide in it. And in chapter 5 and chapter number 6, he tells them how to deal with people. Because if you didn't know it, a church is made up of people who have a lot of opinions. And if you stand from this pulpit and you try and preach to accommodate people's opinions... Number one, as a pastor, it'll drive you crazy. Number two, it brings no edification to the church. And number three, people go to hell. And then we set the stage in 2 Timothy. You pray for me that God would... I want you to see this like I've seen this. Paul's second imprisonment. He's in Rome. And he knows he's going to die. Been beaten five times, 40 stripes, save one. Beaten with a rod three times, shipwrecked three times. Modern theology will tell us that when he besought the Lord thrice on three different occasions, a lot of modern theologians uh, that are educated in what he suffered will tell us that Paul was blind. I think that passage of Scripture applies to a deeper meaning, but physically Paul was blind. He was beaten down, scars covered his face and his eyes and his hands and his arms and his legs. And he pulled up a chair in a Roman prison. And he grabbed a piece of paper to write a letter to his beloved Timothy. And all that he had suffered, he didn't tell him to go home. He didn't tell him to go back to his mother and his grandma, uh, grandmother Lois and Eunice, even though that Paul had specifically called them out by name. He didn't tell him to go back home and get a real job. He didn't tell him to quit preaching. In his decrepit body, he pulled up. And through the light of a candle and through the voice of the Holy Spirit, he grabbed a pen. And he wrote these words. 
I charge thee therefore before God. And the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and at his kingdom, preach the word. Don't quit. Don't give up when it gets hard. Don't leave the church when they hate you. Just preach the word. Paul had no idea. I would be reading what he wrote 2,000 years later as he sat down in a Roman prison and began to write a letter to his beloved son. Preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables. But watch that when all things endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of the ministry, for I am now ready to be offered. And the time of my departure is at hand. Now, he writes this letter, and as we, let me keep reading. Verse 7, For I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but all them that love his appearing. Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me, for uh, Demas hath forsaken me. Having loved this present world and departed unto Thessalonica, Cretans to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia, only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable me, uh, to me for my ministry. And Titus, have I said to Ephesus, the cloak that I left at Tros with Carpus, and when thou comest, bring with thee, and the books, but especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works, of whom be uh, thou aware also, for he hath greatly withstood our words. At the first answer, no man stood with. At the at the first answer, no man stood with me. But all men forsook me. I pray, God, that it may not be laid to their charge. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me that by me preaching might be fully known and that all the Gentiles might hear and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. Paul knows the next morning 
He writes this letter with the perception that he, uh, listen, he is strengthening and he is encouraging Timothy and he's telling him what to bring to him when he sees him again. But he knows theology History tells us that Paul knew when he wrote this letter and he pulled a seat as he pulled himself and gathered himself in this Roman prison that last night as he took a piece of parchment and he pinned these words and he slipped it outside to a Roman guard to get word back to Timothy. He knew how to use... Listen to me. Have you ever studied Paul? They beat him and said, quit preaching. He said, I'm not quit. You can't make me stop preaching. You read the entire canon of the scripture. You read the book of Acts. You understand his missionary journeys. Listen to me. The only thing that would stop Paul from preaching is to take his life. That was the only way, the only thing that was even plausible in his mind. Paul, and now listen to this. Uh, uh, we've heard this preached our entire life. Listen, we understand before he was Paul the apostle, uh, listen, he was Saul of Tarsus. Amen. And as he stood as Saul of Tarsus, uh, listen, we, we know and we understand that he was raised, uh, uh, history tells us and the, and the scripture tells us, he was raised at the feet of Gamaliel. He was a very educated man. He was educated in the doctrine and educated in the scripture. And I challenge you, preachers, wherever you're scattered throughout the house, I challenge you, church, be educated in the word of God. 2 Timothy 2 and 15, he said, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We have lost a generation. We are losing a generation because we are preaching a dead gospel. I'm not saying that the gospel is dead, but the men who are preaching it have never been touched by the Holy Ghost. Preacher, I don't agree with you. Fine. I'm not here to demonstrate a a whole brand new book of arguments. It's time that we follow that we follow scriptural advice. Amen. Listen to me. The Bible tells us when God called Peter and the other apostles after uh, through the Pentecostal time, the 50 days from the resurrection until the day of Pentecost when the Holy Ghost fell on them. We read about this. We understand it. We know it in Acts chapter 1 and chapter 2. Amen. Do you know what God told them to do? He said, go to an upper chamber in Jerusalem and tarry and do one thing. Pray. Pray and wait until you be endued with power.
that feeling that we have felt in the presence of God's house this morning that made the hair on the back of your head stand up and cold chills run across your body and make the tears come from your cheeks and make you want to raise your hand and praise and worship to our Savior. Friends, to me, listen, that is what the power of the Holy Ghost feels like. Listen to me. The modern-day church needs a touch of the Holy Ghost. I'm not, listen, I am sick of the dividing lines of doctrines and denominations. Listen to me. We are, listen, we're gagging on a gnat and swallowing a camel. Listen to me. You know what would fix the whole thing is if we would stand like Paul. Listen to me. Look at me in the eyes. He left everything he knew. He walked away from his family. His mother and daddy disowned him. He never makes mention of them one time in the entire New Testament. You know the reason why? It's because he forsake Judaism and embraced Christianity. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees, trained and raised at the feet of Gamaliel. The greatest theologian and scholar of Paul's day. Listen to me. Paul was his protege. He was raised at his feet, educated by him. Paul was a very sophisticated, very educated man. That's why he could go anywhere he so choose. He was a Greek as well as a Jew. The the pharisaical ordinances and ceremonies, he knew them by heart. And the first time that Paul was convicted, (laughs) you know why death didn't scare Paul? Because God used death to convict him. Yeah. We talking about. One day there was a little man, a deacon. Amen. By the name of Stephen, who was preaching. And he would not stop. They, for the life of them, could not get him to shut up. And Saul of Tarsus, Paul the apostle, stood on the hillside. And the words, listen to me, you go back and you read the sermon of Stephen. When, sermon, when Stephen preached the sermon, he talked about the Pharisees. He said, you are the ones that have crucified the Christ. And it infuriated Paul. It infuriated 
persecuted Saul to the extent the Bible says that the the, the Romans, or excuse me, the Jewish guards that stood around Saul that were under his charge, he took their coats and he said, kill him. Kill him now. And said, if he won't shut up, we'll shut him up. And as they hurled the stone, Stephen stood in the midst of them with his hands up and his eyes toward heaven. And we have recordance in the scripture where the Bible says that the Son of God stood up from the throne and received his child home. You know, the Bible tells us in the book of Psalms, it says, precious in the sight of the Lord are the death of his saints. Listen to me, all this modern day theology and doctrine that teaches us about a secret rapture of the church that is the exclusion of the tribulation period. Let me tell you something. You tell that to Stephen. You tell that to Peter when he was crucified upside down. You tell it to James when his head was taken off at the stake. You tell it to John the Revelator when he was born in a basin of oil and cast to the Isle of Patmos. You tell it to the car salesman in Cincinnati that sold his business, sold his house, moved to India and preached the gospel, was tied behind a car and drugged down the city streets of India so he could preach the gospel. You tell him that he don't have to suffer persecution and tribulation and trial. Why is that so important to me? Listen to me. I'm telling you, the first time that the church in listen, in the Western ideology of Christianity, listen to me, and, and I want you to hear me. We think when we get sued because we don't bake a cake for a homosexual couple, we consider that, oh, we consider it atrocious, don't we? It's a cake. I'm talking about people that laid down their life. The reason it hurts me and the reason that I have such a deep conviction about this is because, listen, the great falling away that shall and will come, listen to me, those that have been improperly educated through the Scripture that they, that they will not have to suffer and that they will not have to do and, and endure all the uh, afflictions and the trials and the troubles and the tribulations. Listen to me. They will leave in the masses when the tribulation falls upon the church. Preacher, we're excluded from that. Let me tell you, let's go to Jeremy and Candace, listen to me. You go down there to Scottish Rite. And you go in the childhood cancer ward. 
And you look that 20-something and 30-something-year-old mom and daddy in the eye that is fixing to lose their child to cancer as they're sitting there grasping their son and their daughter with tears running down the... You tell them they're not suffering the great tribulation. Go ahead, all you Bible thumpers. Go down there right now. And you tell them. Amen. Paul said in First Corinthians chapter 15, he said, if I had hope in this world only, I'd be of all men most miserable. Now let's remember, let's remember, Tommy, everything that Paul wrote. He said, for flesh and blood shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. For this mortal must put on immortality. I listen, this corruptible must put on incorruption. So then when this mortal shall have put on immortality and this corruptible shall have put on in, uh, incorruption, so then shall be brought to pass the saying which is written, Death is swallowed in victory. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? For the sting of death is sin, but the strength, uh, listen to me, but he said, but thanks be unto God. We have victory through Jesus. Let's remember all these. Amen. Paul said, I've learned in whatsoever state I'm in, therefore, to be content. As he was arrested in, the, in, 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 in captivity in the jail at Ephesus in the sixth chapter, he penned the words as he was looking at a Roman guard. He said, put on the whole armor of God. He said, study to sow yourself approved. He said, Joy in your tribulations. He said love without reservation. And above all, he said preach the word. There are a lot of marvelous that I'm sure that they bring a lot of aid and help. If you are stranded in drug addiction or alcoholism, whatever your secret sin is that you hold on to, it's none of my business. Listen, there's a lot of good programs out there that like to educate and like to help, but you know what? I have seen it, Dan, with my own eyes. And you, Kenny, I have seen 
a man of God under the influence of the Holy Spirit that had spent the night before in his knees in solitude and prayer asking for leadership from the Holy Ghost. Not that his words or his mouth or his thoughts or his intentions would do anything to the congregation but that through the Holy Ghost the Spirit of God would speak to the congregation. I have seen the man of God listen as fire flung from his lips go out into the congregation and I have seen it literally change somebody from the inside out. Preach the word don't preach your opinion don't preach what the people want don't preach what makes them feel good preach the word Preacher, leave it alone. It causes controversy. It's time to preach the Word of God. That's the reason we are in the mess that we are in. Preach. Preach. I am begging you, preach the word. I charge thee, therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead, his appear, preach the word, listen to this, be instant, In season, out of season. It doesn't say and out of season. It says be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove. Rebuke. And exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. Preacher, it don't matter. Yes, It does matter. Quit using, listen to me, and I say this with love in my heart. Quit using our ignorance as an excuse. Preach the word. Preach it without fear and favor to mankind. Paul was on the shipwreck. And they said, we're all going to die. He said, hey, I'm not going to die. I'm going to Rome. A 
viper came from the fire and bit him. And they said, Paul, you're going to die. He said, I'm telling you, I'm not going to die. I'm going to Rome. Why? Because I'm going to kill King Agrippa about a man and his name is Jesus. They said, Paul, we've all got to get off the ship or we're all going to die. He said, no, stay on the ship. As they beat him continually. And they said, stop preaching because you are tearing the world apart. Do you understand this? This man was turning the country upside down. But he said, I'm not going to die because God's got to work for me. But see, then all of a sudden we, we find it. The fourth chapter of 2 Timothy. What does he say specifically to Timothy? For the time will come where they will not endure sound doctrine. Listen, Paul wrote this 2,000 years ago. He wrote this in 62 AD. And he was writing this to Timothy. So listen to me. Don't... Don't have such progressive and forward thinking every time you read the Scripture. Don't think that this is something that has to play out in tomorrow's headlines. This is something that Paul was writing to Timothy in 62 A.D., 1,900 plus years ago. He said, this is going to happen. It's still happening. For the time when they will, will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. He didn't say to stop preaching it though. I told Roger this morning, and I believe this, and, and God will make a way, and I'm, I'm going to go with him. And it hurts my heart. <laughs> But I've lived into a generation where I'm not welcome anymore. If I live, if God gives me the liberty to be an 80-year-old man, I promise you, listen to me, there won't be a place for me or you. Or you, bless your heart, son. But he didn't say to stop. He said, keep preaching. I want to be a voice of encouragement to the church this morning. Keep preaching, please. Keep preaching for the sake of my children. Keep preaching. Brady, please keep 
Preacher, listen to me. I'm telling you something, son. Listen to me. I remember when Jack Biddy and Spud English and Jack Pierce, all them old men of God, listen to me, when they come by and they would grasp me by the hand, Dan, with tears running down their cheek and they would say, Son, please don't stop preaching. It's going to get hard. They're going to hate you. They're not going to listen. But for the sake of the gospel, preach the word. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall turn into fables. But what's there in all things? Endure afflictions. Okay? All you that are riding the prosperity horse, get off of it. Get off of it. Sickness will come, and it's not God's fault. You know what sickness is the result of? And listen, listen to everything I say in the context. Sickness is a result of sin. Does that mean specifically that you sin? No. Listen to me. Sin is the direct result of disobedience to God. Therefore, it brings sickness. And sickness brings death. But hallelujah, I'm glad that the grave is not the end. So will cancer come? Yeah. Will Alzheimer's come? Yes. Will Parkinson's come? Yes. Yes. Will freak accidents happen like they happened over in the Ingalls parking lot in Cleveland, Georgia when the woman took her her precious three-year-old boy to go get groceries and she did not ever realize that that would be the last time that she would embrace his grasp and hear his voice. She had no idea. But I'm here to tell you, I'm here to tell you that this life is not the end. I'm glad that that mother and daddy, by their experience of grace, as they say that they have been born again, they will see their precious baby again. But we're going to have to endure affliction and persecution. It's going to happen. But watch thou all things and dear afflictions do the work of an evangelist. Philip was in a great revival. Thousands being saved. God spoke to him and told him to go to a desert place. Philip said, I don't want to go to a desert land. Lord, I'm in a great revival. The next thing we know, we find <clears throat> Philip is walking through the desert and sees a eunuch up in the chariot and he was reading the 53rd chapter of the book of Isaiah and Philip walked up to the chariot side and said, Understand us what thou readest? He said, How, whoo, how can I? 
saith some man show me you see we have got to have an ear constantly toward heaven listening for leadership and direction the conversion of somebody may be at your bidding amen so I say listen to me Go till you can't go no more. I'll agree with that. Make sure it's real. Make sure it's true. But I believe God's fixing to start springing up some Elijahs. Some Elijahs. To preach the word. Me and Russell Burt was talking the other day. He said, you know, Chris, he said, when we first started out, we were the young men. He said, we're not the young men anymore. Please, preach the word. Watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. Full proof. I say this with love as much as I would love for everybody to love me. (laughs) Some people just absolutely detest the ground I walk on. But I've come to realize I'm okay with that. As long as they don't hate me because I hurt them. If they only hate me because I preach to them, I'm okay with that. I want you to know the truth. I want you to know that there's a Savior who loves you. I want you to know that if you, by faith through grace, accept the blessed Son of God, you will be filled with the Holy Ghost, sealed with the third person of the Trinity. Heaven will be your home. I also want you to know in return, if you reject my precious Savior, my elder brother, the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, the Emmanuel, the great and bright morning star, the am that I am, the alpha, the omega, the beginning, the end, the rose of Sharon, the rock, I listen, the corner, the cornerstone of Zion, my rock, my buckler, the eastern gate. Hey, if you reject him, hell will be the only eternity you know. So how does Paul know that he's going to die? This is what's so good to me. You remember I told you about 19 different places. Paul said, I'm not going to die. (laughs) 
But that last night in Rome, he sat down in the corner of an old jail cell. And he said, I fought a good fight. Finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord shall give me in that day, and not to me only, but all them who love his appearing. He knew. He knew he was done. (laughs) And he was writing this touching letter to Timothy as encouragement to preach the word. But he didn't want to anybody, Tommy, to feel sorry for him. Kenny, you know why? Because he knew the next day he was going to walk into the city streets of Rome in that old jail cell out of that old prison and they was an old stump where the blood of martyrs was sprayed for years. And he said, I'm done. And he went out there and he laid his head at that old cold block of wood. And he held his hands toward heaven. And in one blinding, searing, shocking, unimaginable point of pain, they took his head off. And in the presence of Jesus, he stood. He said, Lord, hey, I'm done. The crying and the praying and the preaching and the beating and the jail cells, it's all over. Lord, I fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. And I've finished the course. I'm going home. He said, Timothy, I'm going home. I'm going to where I've preached about. I'm going to where I have longed to go. But he said, in my absence, preach the word. (laughs) Paul wrote the words. To be absent from the body. <laughs> is to be present with the Lord. Boy, you talk about a grand stand of angels. <laughs> Can you imagine being at the chopping block in Rome? What that must have felt like. Have you ever been in the hospital room of a saint of God right before they died and the hair stands up on your head and you don't really know what's going on but you can feel something in the room? Thank God the chariots of the north, they fly south to escort the soul of every saint of God back to the eastern gate of heaven where they shall appear in the presence of of Jesus. Yeah. 
And I'll close with this. If you're here this morning and you're discouraged, Paul got discouraged too. He told Timothy, he said, they all left me. But the Lord stood with me. I'll ask this question this morning. You may say, preacher, this is uh, not necessary. I believe it is. I believe that there might be somebody here this day that, number one, don't know Jesus Christ and the free pardon of sin. I believe that you've heard the gospel today. I believe you can be saved today. I believe that you might be here and you may be backslidden. And you say, Lord, I want to go to work for you. And you may be here running from the hand of God. I remember in my driveway when I finally could not go, Kenny, any further. And God put me on my face in the middle of my driveway. And I said, God, if you'll give me enough strength just to get to the church house tomorrow night, I'll tell the whole world you've called me to preach. I believe God spoke to somebody here today. I want to be stern with you. Don't do it because it sounds good and it looks good and you want to sit on the front bench. That's not what it's about. If that's all you're going to do, just stay where you're at. Amen? Amen. We, need some be- we need somebody that is going to preach the word. Preach it. Live it. Stand to your feet and get a song this morning, if you would, please. Church, I tell you what, I thank God for the presence of the Holy Spirit here today. Don't you? I've said this a number of times. If you feel like, uh, listen to me, I, I really, I really do. Listen to me. I don't really care what time it is, what's going on, where supper is. I don't care what time the Falcons play. Listen to me. I want you to search your heart in the Spirit of God. Listen to me. I want the church to be filled with the touch of the Holy Ghost. Hey, man, listen to me. You know what? We as the church, we're satisfied today when we come into the house and we say, well, I heard shouting this morning and we chalk that off as a good service don't we Kenny you know it's a good service to me Tommy when I shout yeah amen Amen. it's pretty good when you do it's real good when I do don't be scared of the Spirit. Dan, don't be scared. Help me now. Amen. Don't 
keep pushing it away. And I shouldn't do that, and I shouldn't talk, and I shouldn't testify, and I shouldn't hug, and I shouldn't shout, and I shouldn't raise my hand. Listen to me. Don't be scared of the voice of the Holy Ghost. If anything in this world is going to turn this country around, it's the church. But the church has got to be led by the leadership of the Holy Ghost. Listen, listen, listen. I don't care what it looks like, what it sounds like, if you think it is right or if you think it's wrong. I don't care. Listen to the Holy Ghost. Follow the Holy Ghost. One Sunday morning at Yellow Creek, I I promise I'm about done. When I was there, I got to see the whole, the whole family saved. And God touched me that morning, and I went to the back door, threw my Bible down, and I said, if you can step over the Word of God without receiving Jesus as your Savior, you can step over into hell. And there was a little old girl, got back there to the back door, and she stood there at that Bible and done this. And she'd look down and she'd cry. And she'd look at that Bible and she'd start to walk and she'd turn around. And she'd done this and she'd done this. And by the time she'd turn around, in a dead run to the altar she'd come. And got saved. So, listen to me. I said all that to say this. I don't care how crazy you think it is. Don't do it because you want to. Do it because you have to. Listen to the Holy Ghost. Follow. I don't know your heart this morning. don't know where you stand. I want you to know this altar's open. There's no judgment here. I'm not going to earhole you to get saved once you get up. If you want me to pray with you, I'll come pray with you. But if you just want to come talk to Jesus... Praise the Lord, ain't that what this church is for? One of my best friends that I grew up with since I was a kid, every time I call him during the week, sometimes I don't call him because I need something, Tommy. I just call him because I want to talk to him. It's okay to just come talk to the Lord. You don't have to need something. Just come check in. What I'm doing pretty good today. I just wanted to tell you thank you. I don't know what's coming tomorrow, but I'm doing pretty good today. And I thank the Lord this morning that I've been to preach his word one more time. This may be the last time, Scott. I hope it's not, but it might be, Barry. I don't want to save nothing. I just want to give it all.